Oh boy. We're really just gonna have to cut out this last little bit of a tirade here and like make it into its own little special patrons only thing here. Hi, Clara listeners. This is Nairi. First, our apologies for the delay in this latest episode. Life stuff got in the way, yes, but also, this episode proved incredibly fruitful for a discussion that went way beyond our topic for this particular episode. We started on Kami and wound up yelling about transhumanism. But in the interest of keeping things tidy, we've saved the off-topic stuff and the bloopers for release at a later date in its own side project. We will keep you posted as that develops. And now, on with the show. The views expressed in this podcast are solely those of the hosts. We advise you to go out and think for yourself. Hello and welcome to episode 11 of Clara, Conversations on Shinto, a podcast where two friends and fellow practitioners of Shinto in the Anglosphere talk about their faith, its cultural, historical, and other contexts, and try to bring knowledge and community to others. Episode 11. What is a kami? We just do know. <laughs> That's only a joke that, like, a handful of people, probably a few Tiaboos, will get. I... Yeah. And a goodly amount of Canadians, let's be real here. Uh, right, right. We see you, Canada. We respect you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All hail the great white beaver in the north. Oh. Oh, man. Do we mm. want to edit that one out, or do we want to leave that one in? I mean, I mean, a beaver is an animal. Yeah. Yeah. Plausible deniability. Mm-hmm. The best kind of deniability. I, right? Right? Anyway, Doc, how you doing? Anyway, uh, you know, uh, it's it, it's been an interesting last little while, as it always is, but Shinto, I think one of the things that it is, it's very, like, you know, something I take as a lesson from my faith is uh, this idea of things having boundaries, things mm -hmm. having, like, a delineation, right? Yeah. Um. You know, the mundane space, like, yeah, granted, you know, the, the kami are everywhere, they they are our neighbors, you know, the, the, the sort of, it's the mundane is part of the divine, but shrines have a delineated space. Oh, yeah. And like, rituals have a, have a delineated space. So, I guess what I'm getting at here is that thinking about that has been a real help lately, because I've had to sort of delineate spaces that hadn't been delineated before mm -hmm. it's just healthy boundaries let's be real here Ex exactly exactly but like if you don't you know if you don't draw those those lines everything sort of like blends into each other and sometimes that's okay but other times that is you know cripplingly exhausting uh the way that it has been for me uh over the past uh, little while so i've been sort of insisting on some insisting on some lines where i wouldn't have uh, i wouldn't have done so uh before or i didn't you know think that i would there, anybody would listen to me but you know i drew some lines and i said okay you know these are the conditions under which i have to do these things and these are the th conditions under which i will do these other things and can can people please respect that and so far 
it looks promising. Mm-hmm. I'm still tired, though. And, you know, I've been coming off a lot of that with my own personal life, and you know that, but... And I'm not going to go any deeper than that, folks. But mm-hmm. it's an important thing. Like, even in some cases where you end up with sacred trees and everything, you have the Ishimano rope and everything tying around it. I think that's how you pronounce that? Right. Uh, Shimenawa, yeah. yeah. Yes, thank you. And <sighs> you're, you're denoting... You're de- the term for what you're denoting by that is kekkai. Mm. The, the line of division between the, the inner space and the outer space. Mm-hmm. And that's also where we end up with things like Tory Gates. Right. Where it's a division of spaces here where the shared space between the the mundane reality and the spiritual reality mm. exists on two opposite ends of the spectrum. But there's a delineation that creates a third space where we all inhabit, which is the mundane. Let's be real here. Yeah. Yeah. Now... I suppose the big question is, why are we bringing that up if the uh, title of this episode is talking about Kami? Hmm. Hmm. I mean, it's an important definition. I think it's important to, to, to define uh, our terms. Mm-hmm. You know, we we want to know what we're talking about. Because exactly. the term Kami is often shorthanded as God, but... Mm, mm, well, like, I tend to go quite. back with... Uh, I tend to go back with Magic the Gathering, folks, because if you haven't figured it out, I'm a giant frickin' nerd. <laughs> but Kamigawa got it a bit more correct, where Kami was translated as spirit. And I have complicated feelings about that, because even that's still not a full one-to-one kind of thing here. You know, picture of me just pointing down at the table going, Kami is Kami, and that's enough of that. <laughs> but... That's a little more closer to how it should probably be approached in an English-speaking vernacular. Yeah. But then the question becomes, what is a kami? Yeah. yeah because coming at it from the we- coming for- coming at it from the Western perspective, we have these preconceptions, right? Exactly. Like spirit is generally but, the ghost and whatever, right? Rather than this, like a, like large personified capital G God. Mm-hmm. So what's the distinction? And I, I think that we need to actually pull back a brief moment here. And this is, again, like Western Christianization here, because I know there are, like, Western heathens out there who hear us go spirit, and it's like, oh, you mean, like, l- little trolls and whatever? It's like, yes, actually, y- yes. But <laughs> we're not here to talk about trolls here. We're to talk about Kami. Right, right. And... You and I have actually talked around this subject a lot, I want to say here, because it's it's hard of a one to tackle head-on. Yeah, because like, it is complicated. Mm-hmm. But where was I talking about spirits? Right. Uh, we were talking around the question of Kami mm-hmm. uh, rather than at it. So, like, so we've talked about it a lot without ever really addressing it here. We talk about, like, Sukomogami. We talk about right. spirits of things like stones and trees and everything here. I don't recall if I've ever said this on Clara, but this is something that I have just had a bit of a meditation on, where it's mm. going from Utah, living in Utah, to living out in Washington. Mm-hmm. I look at Washington and I say, wow, there's a lot of different spirits here. 
But living in Utah, it's the spirits, the kami of Utah. And that's a loaded term, but we're working mm. with this here. Expedient means, right? Right, right. But the spirits of Utah are found in the stones, in the mountains. And that's still something I hold to that belief. Because you can stare at the vast emptiness and recognize the spirit of that, but it's a lot more of a quiet, not a talkative thing. The mountains hold conversations. And it's the same out here. Whenever I l drive down the one of the main thoroughfares here, thoroughfares, thoroughfares, and I see Mount Tahoma, and it's just this one lone peak in the distance. And I just kind of have to sit there and recognize how beautiful it is. I am in awe that this mountain exists. I wake up, I look at it, and I say, good morning. But that's that's one of the bigger things. Because I've done some traveling with, like, Erica in the back of a Tesla and everything here, seeing redwood trees, and I am in awe about how huge, how massive, how utterly old they are. I stand by the ocean and I just feel the breath leave me. I look out over Lake Washington and I feel at peace. In fact, the first time I ever saw the Columbia River, and I was coming home from a convention that shall not be named, <laughs> but we're passing through Portland and I see the mouth of the Columbia River empty into the Pacific as we cross one of those big honking bridges, you know the kind. And I'm a desert dweller, folks. I've never seen anything like that before. And for the first time, I see this much water, this much power from water emptying even into more water. And that changes your view of the world. And this, again, also touches back on the whole, like, Daishi Zen thing here. Big nature energy. And I think from there we can actually start talking about what is a kami. Now, what about you, Doc? How, how do you feel that we have gone about this? Well, I mean, you know, we've talked about the, you know, the Tukumogami. We've talked about, you know, some matters of nature and things that we are in awe of. And I, I think that, I think that, you know, it's sort of, it's a concept that's been there, right? Mm -hmm. um, and it, and if you're gonna talk about Shinto in general, the Shin of Shinto is just kami with the other with the other pronunciation. Mm. Um, you know, it, it, this is also the Shin of Seishin. Uh, so the term in Japanese for mental illness is Seishin Byo. So spirit, in terms of like a like an essence, say mm -hmm. Shin, the Shin of kami. Byo, illness. Seishin byo. Now, seishin as a word also is just like spirit or ethos. You know, in the, before the war, the nationalists uh, often talked of kanto seishin uh, as the quintessential, you know, the, you know, the, uh, I'm doing the scare quotes here, uh, quintessential uh, Japanese spirit, uh, the, the kanto seishin, you know, mm -hmm. the spirit of kanto, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's like it's given as Yamato Damashi, Yamato Soul, but Kanto Seishin is the is the other form that I've I've heard. 
uh, so you know, kanto uh, seishin, kanto spirit, or you know, other things like that. So shin on its own doesn't necessarily mean divine, but like it's a sort of it, spirit is a sort of a catch good catch-all rendition. But when we speak of kami in the, in the Shinto sense, you know, we're, we're sort of going beyond like your sort of spirit as in like your, your sort of you know, mental state, you know, your, your energy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we're talking about, you know, things that are writ large is how I like to think of it. Um, so it's sort of been, it's sort of like been a constant in our, in our work here. But, you know, I think we, we have to, like, stop and think a little bit about, like, what, what is this? And, you know, also, you know, to acknowledge that in, um, you know, given the, given the, 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 you know, the over a millennium now of uh, cross-pollination with Buddhism, um, you know, when we speak of, of uh, Bukkyo, the teachings of the Buddha, right, mm-hmm. the term Shinto as a, as a term emerged as a means of in contrast with Buddhism, this other thing that's not the Dharma, the the spirit way. Yeah. Know? So it's sort of it's it's an outgrowth of it's an outgrowth of that very long arc of of, of, of syncretism. But it's a term that I think we might take a little bit for granted also, you know, in in, in thinking about Shinto. Yeah. And admittedly this isn't the syncretism episode, but this is not the syncretism episode, folks. We already had that episode four. Four was it four? <laughs> yes, we did. Ooh. We were talking about we were talking about death, I think, uh, <laughs> and the handling of death. <laughs> uh, screaming. I mean, I think that's fitting for the fourth episode. Let's be let's be a little punny about this here. I see. I see what you did there. Mm-hmm. Anyone who uh, studies Japanese probably got that joke. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway. But, like, that's that's a good chunk of it. Like, spirit has a lot of different... Language being language, meaning that one word can have multiple different definitions. Mm-hmm. So on and so forth here. And amongst that, we also have to just sit down and talk about, do humans have spirit? Do humans have an essence to them? Do humans have an part of them that could be considered... And I'm breaking out the quotes here, folks. Kami. And, well, Nari, how do we talk about this one? Do we want to just dive right into Mitama? Do we want to give some notable examples of about that? Well, I mean, I, I worry, when, when it gets into this, I kind of worry that, um, you know, your average Western listener, is mm-hmm. great, when they hear, you know, people, do are people, can people be Kami? Uh, is going to think of the old imperial system. Precisely. Right? Mm-hmm. And that is the most, no- internationally, that's the most notable example because it had the power of the empire behind it and the toxicity and terrible you know, things that. that, that and that the inertia. With. And the inertia, exactly. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, like, it, you know, to put it very, very concisely, the emperor is not special in that regard. Mm hmm. You know, the emperor, like, even it, like, assuming that you were to believe that the emperor was a kami in the flesh, and uh, that's, that's a whole other conversation, and uh, that's not what we're talking about here, but assuming that you did, he's not particularly special, because there are all kinds of people who, while alive, were, historically, were considered kami. Mm Mm-hmm. 
ancient and modern. You know, as a guy I'm writing about for my, one of my upcoming Unseen Japan articles, who was a local, like a folk hero in Sendai in the Meiji era, and he was considered a kami of fortune. Not just was, this guy from Teppomachi. Was this was this the one who ended up doing the grave robbing? No, that was a different. That was a different guy, and he's not. A, he's not considered a kami, but like he he uh, you know he he's he's sort of a he is a local hero. But you Got know, it. Sendai Shiro, by contrast, was regarded and still is regarded as a fortune kami. So really, you know. It's like not anything. It's not anything unusual. It's like shrug, yeah, and not everybody is regarded as a kami in life, but some people are. Mm-hmm. And that also brings up another interesting point here. With not everyone is considered a kami in life, but some people are. What about in death? That's that's where I was kind of trying to steer the conversation. You got a, you you brought up something very important, but. With like Mitama here. Okay, so with Mitama, it gets it gets a little bit. It, this is a little bit of a different, a little bit of a different uh, angle. So, mm-hmm. uh, me honorable Tama spirit, but different spirit, not Kami. This is a different like the Tama of Mitama is is also uh, the Tama of Tamashi, um, you know, soul. Uh, yeah, you might render it as, but the Mitama, the ancestor spirits, the spirits of the de- of the deceased can be regarded as kami. You know, that is a thing, you know, generally speaking, yes, as we discussed in episode four, there is such a thing as a uh, uh, Shinto funeral by Shinto rites. Um, but even if it was not, uh, if a person's funeral was not done by Shinto rites, you, you can view spirits of the ancestors as mitama or mitama no kami, to use the konkokyo term. And I have a small little shrine for my own ancestors. Not not over there in the corner where the nice little Kamidama is with the cute little foxes. Mm. Yes, I think the foxes are cute. Mm-hmm. But I have one that's on my bookshelf right here. It has a stick of incense burning on it because it's me. Let's be real here, folks. I like the smell of good incense and... Uh, the smell of sagebrush kind of reminds me of home and reminds me of my grandfather and grandmother. But that's neither here nor there. So, it's also worth noting that several historic figures have been enshrined as kami. Yeah. Your boy Date Masamune. Right. One of them. Yo, he, he, he's, he's the kami of Alba Jinja. Mm hmm. And, like, Tenjin-sama. Mm-hmm. Tenjin-sama was a dude who, in death, got so upset that they had to enshrine him to keep him happy. Yeah. It's... Yeah, there was pestilence and uh, mm-hmm. thunder and lightning. Very, very frightening. Mm-hmm. And, like... <sighs> Boy, howdy, am I really gonna invoke that? I'm going to invoke that. Let's go. Like... <laughs> Masakado-sama. Taira no Masakado. It has been regarded as an okami of information technology by some people. Mm-hmm. And me being a uh, field tech, have said, alright, watch over me, please. Boy, howdy, was I, infor- was I not expecting the ride that that would be. <laughs> but... Yeah. 
Yeah. That's kind of the thing. It is not uncommon for people in life to live grand lives, die, and be enshrined. In some cases, it's actually expected, especially if they were particularly well-known. Right. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that actually brings us to the question you received on your Patreon account. You alright if I read that? Sure, please do. Please do. Who was this from, by the way? Uh, This was from Ryan, um, who has sent us questions before. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Ryan, thank you again. We love hearing your questions, folks. Please send us more. We have a Tumblr, a Twitter. Like, please poke us. I want to hear from you. Yeah, we have we you know you can you can you can get us on the on the Tumblr and Twitter. You can get us on on my Patreon if you're there. You know we we've got we've got a we've got some different we've got some different uh, uh, points of contact. But yeah, Ryan, uh, thank you for your question. I I love getting your feedback. Like it's 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 been it's always a joy. It's to, beautiful to hear. To hear. Yes, but the question from Ryan reads: I've heard a shrine in I've heard of a shrine in Hawaii. Daijingu, I think, that has uh, George Washington and Abraham Lincoln as kami as among other kami present there. I was curious about what, uh, what I'm curious about is how the decision to kamiify someone is made. And do all shrines recognize another shrine's kami or is that more decentralized? Finally, if you two had a choice, who would you choose to kamiify if you wanted to? We're gonna save that last mm. bit for last. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But the the Hawaii shrine is a is a notable American shrine, one I yeah, actually do uh, want to go visit. Hilo Hilo Daijingu, uh, mm-hmm. I think, is the one that, that that they're thinking of. And I think that's I think that also has a uh, uh da, 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 da. and a, like a auxiliary onari shrine there. I hope. I think so. Yeah, I think so. Hilo. Yeah, Hilo. I'm, it's it's an interesting choice of of, of uh, Ateji that they that they went with. But uh, um, brief history: the Yuisho. Uh, God, Meiji thirty-one, huh? Well, it's a shrine to Amaterasu Omikami, isn't it? I guess. I mean, it would make sense. Okay, there we are. About the Kami enshrined at Hilo, Hawaii Daijingu Tang, uh, Temple are many. Yeah, so yeah. we got like uh, the sun goddess Amaterasu Omikami, right. and the Marius Kami who flank Amaterasu, the national father George Washington, and the nation and the <sighs> nation's restorer Abraham Lincoln, among other uh-huh. men and women of distinguished services, including King Kamehameha, King uh-huh. uh, Kalukaweha, and uh-huh. other men and women of uh, Hawaii's, so on and so forth. Which, mm. Mm. yeah. Uh, uh, also, it looks like the fourth uh, Guji of of that shrine was from uh, was from from the city of Date in Fukushima. Ha! Huh. Nice. Huh, Cool. Anyway, uh, yeah. So, uh, so this shrine, um, right? So it enshrines, along with you know these Japanese uh, deities, it enshrines figures that loom large in American history, American political history, but also mm-hmm. in Hawaiian history. Oh yes, like you know King Kamehameha. Like that's a name that that's a name that that, that uh, I think uh, you know ought to be very familiar. Uh, you know, if you've got a cursory, even a cursory like awareness of, of Hawaiian history, like that's a you know that's a that's a name that even 
made it into uh it's kind of weird like if you god am i gonna have to cut this bit too I don't know. Let's just let's just roll with this here, okay? Because this is a big one, and we'll. So you know how in 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 Dragon Ball, yeah, there's a move called the Kamehameha. Yeah, the flying turtle. Yeah. So, you know, it's not just you know. So it's not just the these Japanese deities, but also these figures in American political history and in Hawaiian political history, and so you look at that and you think, okay, why is George Washington and Abraham Lincoln? Why are George Washington and Abraham Lincoln considered kami? And actually, I wouldn't have had an answer for this before, but I have a little bit more of an answer for it now. Mm-hmm. So in talking to in talking to Caitlin Ugaretz, who is a noted uh, uh, up-and-coming Shinto researcher. Hi, screaming. Caitlin. We know you listen. Screaming. Thank you for listening. Um, Caitlin pointed out um, a rather interesting fact that I was not aware of. But oh. now that I'm aware of it, I can't unsee it, uh, which is a good thing. But the, the long and the short of it is that before 1941, on the west coast of the U.S., there were lots of oh, Jinja. Oh, yeah, that one. There were lots of Jinja. Uh, one of the ones, like, we don't know a lot about them because, you know, the records were destroyed. And because, the shrines were destroyed. Because, <laughs> because racism, of the, because of paranoia, because of bigotry executive order 9066 mm-hmm. uh, and such um, but basically there were a lot of shrines going back you know into the 1890s early 1900s that had been there for decades until 1941 but one of them that we have photos of is was a shrine on, on terminal island mm. uh, in modern los angeles uh-huh. and we have a photo of the interior as the priest was dismantling it when the when the uh, the deportation order was passed down, and it just is, it's this heartbreaking photo of this man who had devoted his life to serving this community uh, as a clergyman, and you know he's got his like there's a saw and a mop and a broom, and he's just looking so dejected. But it took me a couple times of like looking at the details in the photo to realize that. On the com- on the the not the kamidana but like on the in the, on the altar right mm-hmm. was a photo of, like were two paintings one was of Lincoln one was of Washington this you know that would suggest to me that you know this question of okay you know Lincoln and Washington being enshrined in Shinto shrines in the United States um, you know it, it has a longer history than just Hilo Daijingu. It's just that Hilo Daijingu is, is the one the that last, survived. Is the one that survived, exactly. You know, because none of the shrines on the West Coast survived from before mm-hmm. the war. And I guess I just have to say this on my end here, like, I guess coming from a Mormon background. Oh boy, is this the one where I actually start getting the Mormon mobs after me? Let's find out. <laughs> <sighs> like... In Mormonism, there is this sort of a heterodoxy, we'll call it that. Mm. We're, we're going to use very academic language here for this one here, folks. But there's this heterodoxy that says that a lot of the American predecedents, a lot of the uh, great founding fathers, were guided by divine inspiration from God, capital G-O-D. Mm-hmm. And... 
I'm over here looking at this where it's just like them enshrining George Washington, Abraham Lincoln. It's like, no, that, that, that makes sense, yeah. Coming from a background of that here, because these are near mythic figures in American consciousness. And I don't think a lot of Americans want to grapple with that, that there is this almost national identity of worshipping our founding fathers. Yeah, yeah. However, I wish to direct your attention to 1776, and more recently the musical Hamilton, and tell me if there isn't some sort of veneration about this, some mythologizing about these people. Yeah, yeah, no, you're, you're right, you're right. And I should say it. Yeah. You know, there are terms in other traditions, like I have Kemetic friends who Mm. worship the ancient Egyptian deities, um, who have, uh, we've talked about this, and, you know, they've said that there were terms in the ancient Egyptian faith for, you know, on the one hand, you've got the gods, but on the other hand, you've got, like, revered teachers or Mm -hmm. revered figures, um, who you might also venerate not quite the same way as you would the gods, but like you're not, it, it's like this added measure of respect that you're showing them, not necessarily to their face, but like, yeah, the way that the way that the, the way that my friend told explained it to me was because, yeah, for those who don't know, one of my favorite figures in American history is Joshua Lawrence Chamberlain, who was a professor who taught himself how to be a soldier. And he was an abolitionist, and and so on. Uh, and you know, Sean said, um, you know, Nairi, if you were a, a, a comedic, you know, Chamberlain would be that kind of figure, I would say. To and I mean, you. and I mean, in the same vein, there, we have that same kind of concept, even within like evangelical Christianity in this nation. They just don't want to admit to it. I mean. Hell, like I, I imagine that it might not have quite been this, quite have been the same for you, but like for me, uh, C.S. Lewis. Oh heaven! Right, C.S. Oh, Lewis is sort of regarded with this measure of, with this measure of reverence bordering on worship by evangelical Christians in the United States. You know, Cassandra's going to hear this episode, and she's going to just chew my ear off. <laughs> Love you, Cass. St. Clive of Staples, as, mm-hmm. as a friend of mine called him. Or, oh, you know, with Catholic folks, there's Chesterton. Oh. Um, oh, good heavens. And I just felt Maya cringe in disbelief. <laughs> do we do we want to see about finding a, a Protestant one to round out the trio here and make Vera upset? I mean, you know, C.S. Lewis, I think, you know, for evangelical and Protestant, I think that would both fit. But, you know, you might, you might, uh, I don't know, um, oh, depending oh, on oh. what. For a Mormon, Joseph Smith. Joseph, okay, yeah, Joseph Smith. Brigham Young and, boy, how do you have opinions? For, for Protestants, though, depending on what, what, what stripe of Protestant, you might consider, um, like an Albert Schweitzer. Mm-hmm. Or, I don't know, like, uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Yeah. Um, yeah, my grandfather, who was an Armenian Protestant uh, preacher of, of, of some renown, uh, actually wrote his master's thesis on Bonhoeffer, and it deeply informed 
the work that he did. But through that, I have been somewhat more attuned to the fact that, you know, depending on the circles that you run in, that is a figure that is sort of treated with, you know, this added measure of reverence. Yes. Yeah. That's something that, like, we have to just recognize that as Shinto is a living faith. Yeah. Yeah. Now... On that note, there are sometimes where that crosses a line, if you were to ask my opinion. Like, <sighs> I try not to, like, badmouth anyone on this podcast, folks, and you, I I try to make sure that I am doing good by everyone, trying to give everyone a fair shake here. However, there is a big, 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 air quotes here, a shrine out in Tennessee, and that's, when I say air quotes, shrine as in no. It's not. Oh, no, I'm not talking about the one in Tennessee. The first one that always comes to mind is the one in Missouri. Uh-huh. The one that tries to enshrine a um, folktalic figure of uh-huh. Russian renown who I am very dead, de- who I am tap dancing around because I know enough to not invoke things names, folks. If you're familiar, if you're familiar with the work, I think it was Mazorsky who wrote pictures at an exhibition. Mm-hmm. There's a, I think that was the the, the one where there's a movement called the Hut on Fowl's Legs. Yep. You know, if you know what that's referring to, that's who this person decided to enshrine by Japanese rights. Which no, no, you don't exactly. Mm-hmm. You don't. Yes, I recognize that Mount Rainier is called like Tahoma in. Native in native in First Nations parlance here, and I use that because I recognize where the heck I live. I don't go around trying to pray to the spirit of Tahomasan. No, I just say good morning. Yeah, yeah. The same thing. Same thing where I am. You know, I'm in. I'm in. You know, the territory of the the Haudenosaunee uh, uh, League, and you know, I've tried to learn a little bit of Seneca, so that you know, so that if I'm out in in the uh, in the middle of nowhere, here in Western Pennsylvania, I can greet the you know I can greet the place and I can say thank you. Mm-hmm. And you know that's like a we're getting into some interesting politic here tonight, folks. But this is this is quite honestly a bit of a political charged conversation here. Yeah, yeah, and that's that 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 comes with the territory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because do other shrines recognize these? Kami, the the people who are enshrining like a Abe and George as Kami, mm, and yeah. the answer is I really don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't. Here's another another I think important point to bring up on this on the subject. Yeah, two things. One, if you're going to enshrine someone, regardless of who it is, mm-hmm. you you need a priest. Yeah, right? you need a priest. You need you need proper, you need the, because as we've said over and over, Shinto has rules. It doesn't have dogma, it has rules. It doesn't have dogma, it has, it has rules. So you have to do these things properly. Mm-hmm. Now that with that understood, there is a network of shrines in Japan whose name I'm not going to mention, but when I give a little bit of a hint, you, I think you'll be able to catch on. Mm-hmm. It enshrines people who, since 1868, have died in the service of the nation. It enshrines those people regardless of whether or not they wanted to be enshrined. Yeah. 
it 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 has been taken to court because it does this by the by the bereaved families of devout Buddhists and Christians who have died and been enshrined against their wishes. Yes. Like, that's... That's an important point, I think. It is. When we're talking about this issue. And a lot of this here does bring up this whole context that, like, a lot of shrines are technically answer to things like Jinjahancho, but they are mostly decentralized. Yeah. Like, it depends on the shrine faith, and it depends on the it depends on the specific shrine. But yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like a lot of the Inari shrines are being bought back by Fushimi Inari lately, right? And that's that's a big deal. Yeah, Inari faith, Inari Shinko is taking its steps to say we are handling ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I guess this also segues right into the last part of the question here. If you two had a choice, who would you kamiify if you wanted to? Mm. And what I'm going to tell you at this time is I don't feel comfortable answering that. I don't feel like I can answer that. And I'm going to echo that uh, because, you know, neither of us is an ordained priest and this is a subject that is sensitive and... We are not in a position that we can, you know, make a call on that. We are lay practitioners, folks. Like Exactly. And and, and, and Ryan, I want to make sure that I'm coming across here that we are not trying to like chastise you over Oh no this no, no, no. This no. is this is not what we're doing. This is us answering the best that we can. Exactly. The first part of it is that I can't speak to the wishes of who I would. The second part of it is I don't have the proper training to do so. Right. The third part is I do not have a community who I could turn to and ask who should we. Right. Like, and that's a big part of it. That last part is the part that I think a lot of people, yeah, understandably lose sight of when they say, well, why don't you establish a shrine in, in Pittsburgh? Well, you know, you can't just plunk a shrine in the middle of nowhere. Exactly. You have to have some finances. You have to have some finances. You have to have a community. Even if you don't have a priest, you have to have a community that this is a focal point of. Mm -hmm. You know, you you can't just like this. Because there are shrines in existence where perhaps in the past it had a community, but now it doesn't. And they are in sad neglect. Looking at you, Colorado. Looking at you, Colorado. But, uh, you know, I would add to, you know, in response to that last part of Ryan's question, you know, so there was a friend of mine named Victor, and I miss him very much. Victor was a larger-than-life character in Pittsburgh. He was a published author. He was a, um, he was a musician. He was part of a band. I think it was called Victorious Delusions. <laughs> he was a conversationalist. To some, he was a dirty old man. <laughs> he believed in my writing before I believed in my writing. Uh, he was, by his own uh, description, um, a lousy gambler and sometimes God. 
and people just like were like okay whatever but like for me you know as a shintoist i looked at that and i would say oh, yeah sure fine okay the gods are my neighbors that's just not new but then victor died in 2015 i believe it was and the community built him a monument they built him a shrine they built like at the head they erected a wonderful like a very handsome stone by the cafe where he basically lived for the last several years of his life you know, he had his own apartment but he he, he essentially lived in the cafe mm-hmm. um it was his third space it was exactly it was his third space you know this man who how did he describe himself i'll describe himself i think it was child of the 60s and survivor of the 70s a reincarnation of nietzsche reincarnation of nietzsche and god <laughs> and uh, you know and all of that you know this man is enshrined in the place that he loved by the people that loved him exactly and yet i would not call him a kami i would not dare because that is its own you know thing right well like... and victor victor has been enshrined by the by the means that he would have preferred by the people that he would have preferred and that's good enough and on top of that here, you can't speak for the rest of the community that appreciated Victor. Exactly. So, and trying to tie this whole thing back up into a pretty little bow here. What are Kami? <sighs> There's a dis- I think you and I have had, I think, a preferred definition, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that you and I have sort of settled on in our conversations, you know, uh, uh, offset, if you will. Kami is that which prompts awe yeah that which prompts awe that which has something a spark of the, the hyper real in its own way to get poetic to get poetic in a postmodern very detached sense mm-hmm. if i were to try to be more sincere less shielded by irony akami is a spirit that prompts respect joy and wonder about existence and the spirit can be anything because like we talk about like big nature energy we talk about what is nature here and i am again an it professional what do i know about nature i see nature in how we design circuit boards the small little arguments that go into how it's built I see nature and how the roads are maintained, how they have to curve, how they move around mountains, what trees were moved, what ones were cut down. I see nature in a million little choices made by tens of hundreds of di- hundreds of tens of thousands of different people as they all live through life. Because I want to remind you, dear listener, you are part of nature. Everything you touch is part of nature in its own way. You try to create this false dichotomy between the artificial and the natural, and you lose sight of what is real. I can see a circuit board and still feel the same awe on how it was designed as I can see a redwood and see the same awe on how it survived. These two things deserve awe. And how would you put it yourself, Doc? Not like this conversational definition that you and I have built. Hmm. You know, I like how you put it, 
it is, I think, sometimes a matter of concern for me that, um, you know, I, I think that some here in the West uh, think of Kami just as this personified thing. Mm-hmm. Or they sort of water it down and make everything Kami. Mm-hmm. And granted, okay, you know, there's a spark of, the, 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 you know, and, and, and everything, and that's the, that's its own thing. But, like, you know, so I feel like that's kind of missing the point, you know. Um, but for me, uh, I think that, how can I put it? You know, when I think of Himekami-sama, with Mayujigami, mm-hmm. I think of something I aspire to, but writ large. Something that something that is sort of a, a, a larger than life manifestation of this thing that that drew me that day at the shrine in two thousand five. You know, I think in general that there is, as you said, you know, there's there isn't so much a di- like there shouldn't be so much of a distinction between you know the uh, natural and the quote unquote artificial because it's all part of nature, mm-hmm. but. You know, I think that, you know, if I can kind of like, I'll, I'll, I'm going to bring it around, I'm going to bring it full circle here in a moment, but, you know, when I think of, when I think of what I come from, right, when I think of the, my Armenian ancestors in particular, um, and how they lost their homes, and they lost their culture, and their, and their, their, their heritage, and, you know, they had to rebuild it from the ashes in exile. We Armenians have a saying, we are our mountains, Manking Mersarep. But I think that the inverse is also true. And I've talked to other Armenian queer folk about this, and we've sort of like been going back and forth about this. But if we are our mountains, then our mountains are us. Yeah. You know, and that they're, you know, here in Western Pennsylvania, in the land of the, uh, in the you know, in the stolen lands of the of the Haudenosaunee people, that there is a part of me that is still, you know, the Armenian highland. You know, not the republic of today, but the, you know, Dierbeker and and, uh, and Lake Van and so on. That is still that is still something that is in me, and that that's that in in that in itself is likewise writ large but that's something that will never stop being a part of me and that i can i can take comfort in the spirit of your people exactly the spirit of my people and so for me you know to bring that around and look at look at uh you know to look at uh, at the at the kami that i have known and revered you know particularly you know himekami sama it's it, it it's comforting to know that the things in nature, you know, like the, the redwoods or the cryptomeria or, you know, Mount Kurikoma or Mount Ararat or Mount Tahoma, uh, Saratoga, a, um, a circuit board and a notebook, uh, even a road, even a road are all interconnected. Mm-hmm. And that it's these, it's these Things that loom large in that tapestry are these points of bright, bright and eye-catching notoriety, I guess, uh, for lack of a better better term, that that sort of that sort of stand out. That rather than rather than like prostrate myself and you know like you know, grovel in the dirt, 
you know, make me want to carry myself a little bit more proudly. Make me want to carry myself a little bit more, you know, a little bit more, a little bit more in self-recognition that I am a part of all of this. And I feel like that that's a that's a meander that's a very meandering uh, uh, discourse here. But like I I I, I trust sometimes you that, need to you know, meander. Sometimes yeah, you need yeah. to like take the long way around the mountain here to get the whole ideal. Yeah, and like yeah, and it's it, like I guess I guess what what it comes down to is that you know there's this 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 question this 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 open question of where do we fit and how do we fit in Aishizen, in Great Nature. Why do we fit? But understanding that we fit. Mm -hmm. So to bring this sort of full circle and and kind of wrap this up, as a shorthand, you know, as a term, I think the people who will... Rule of thumb. I think that the people who talk about, like, enshrined kami, amaterasu omikami, right? Or, you know, uh, pachiman okami. Onari okami. Oinari okami. Tenman tenjin-sama. Masakato-sama, date-sama. Right, masakato-sama, date-sama. You know, to to speak of them as gods, I think if they're like this established, enshrined spirit, okay, as a shorthand, you know, for kind of leaning on Buddhism again with the expedient, the idea of expedient means, you know, it's imperfect, but it gets the job done. If you're going to call them a god, like, yeah, that kind of gets there a little bit, but you know, understand that it is necessarily broader than that, mm-hmm. and it has to be broader than that because nature doesn't fit neatly into boxes. Even our engineering doesn't fit neatly into boxes. And I actually want to take a brief moment here to say that here. I've seen the inside of your laptops, folks. Do you realize how much of a mess of wires that is? And do you realize how much I have to just take a brief moment and go, okay, where the heck does this go? And why does this go there? Nothing is neat underneath the surface. And that's okay. That's how that's how the world is. That's how the world spins. You just have to let that be. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Doc, where can they find you? They can find me on, on Mastodon, on Tumblr, on Twitter on Twitch, on Patreon, at Riverside Wings. So, and you can find me on Twitch, on Tumblr, on co-host as F-Zoe Blackheart. And those are dashes between that. So F-Zoe-Blackheart. Please don't make it weird. I will block you. But, as always, be curious. Stay in awe of nature. We will see you next time.